0: So as we approach what is hopefully the end of a pandemic, hopefully, 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 I thought we could finally talk about pandemic movies because people have been talking a lot about pandemic movies for a lot of obvious reasons. And I frankly did not want to talk about it because it was when you live in the middle of a pandemic, you don't want to talk about a pandemic. But now that it's almost over, I feel ready to talk about it. With my two buds, Umberto and Colin, I thought we would give our top three pandemic movies. Let's get into it. My name is Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor.
1: My name is Umberto Casanya, and I clean masks. I'm
2: Colin Miller. I work for the Gay Men's Mindfulness Collective, and I'm currently a little congested.
0: Aww. Let's go alphabetical order. Umberto, give your three for us, please. Oh, man. So, lots
1: of movies to choose from. I'm going to start with uh, a little bit of uh, 28 weeks, uh, 28 days later, sorry.
0: <laughs> is this your number three?
1: This is my number three, 28 days later.
0: Okay, when uh, is it, when I, why is it your number three?
1: Uh, well, it, I guess I'll tell you why it's in my top three. It's because when I saw this movie, I guess there had been movies that did faster, fast zombies, but I never really had, had a movie about zombies where I just freaked out about the intensity. And so... Here is a movie where you know similar plot to uh, *Walking Dead*, and um, the 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 thing of like the guy waking up and like what's going on, and but these were so threatening and they were caused by a virus, and these were not like your usual Ugh, brains. No man, these these zombies were coming at you, coming super fast. There was just no getting away. Super intense. The movie is very tight, very well made. Uh, and I actually felt—I remember feeling kind of stressed watching it. Yeah. So um, it yeah.
0: could be argued that that movie started the renaissance of zombie movies. That last it could be argued
1: absolutely. Yeah. Because
0: I remember when that—I mean, if you saw that movie for the first time today, you'd be like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." But I remember at the time it was revolutionary. It. Yeah. Because zombie movies to our generation, Birdo, were the sixties B movies where, yeah, the zombies are moving really slow. You have the people holed up in a cabin somewhere talking yeah. <laughs> and and having a fight. But the and the zombies were scary, but twenty-eight days later was just on a whole whole other level. And it had a verisimilitude is that the word uh it had a, 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 burmissilitude, burmissilitude,
1: burmissilitude, a, a truth, verisimilitude a truth a truthiness it.
0: Of it. it had a uh, realism that we hadn't seen before in yeah. these kinds of movies and yeah i remember that too uh i recently tried to rewatch it and i was just like eh, you know it's okay but i think f- for its time it was completely mind-blowing yeah very very much agree Mine my, my number 2 is 12 Monkeys.
1: Oh. 12 Monkeys, man. That is a trippy movie. It's got Brad Pitt in it, which is yeah. he, he does a good job actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm going to reveal that's my number 2 as well. Bruno. Oh,
1: weird. Both yeah. are number 2. Why okay. why is it your number 2? Well, okay, there was something really creepy about seeing that what happens to our cities when they when they get, you know, going to disrepair and they, and humans aren't around and like, and actually seeing like, oh yeah, I guess the flora and the fauna would take over. And then it would be kind of dangerous for humans to roam around. Um, That part alone was really interesting. It was also, um, it was really, it had a lot of messages packed into it. And it was very, um, how do you say it? It was like, Packed with philosophy. That was the other thing. So I really appreciated that. And it was action packed. Like it was really entertaining from beginning to end. Uh, Kind of a puzzler too. Like you're trying to piece together um, the the story. So there were a lot of entertaining. I love the acting in it. I love the the special effects were really cool. Uh, So yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'll just chime in with why I love this movie too. Uh, and it was hard to choose, but I, 12 Monkeys was pretty easy. When I saw it at the age of 24, I just loved it so much. I recently rewatched it, and I don't love it as much, but oh, it still holds a good place in my heart. Um, Terry Gilliam, this is the height of his uh, powers. Uh, the the first, Just listen to the first number of movies he made. Monty Python, Holy Grail. Jabberwocky Time Bandits one of my favorite movies Brazil my second favorite movie the adventures of Baron von Baron Munchausen the Fisher King which was totally uh, life-changing to me when I saw it at the age of 20 I remember seeing the Fisher King and it just completely blew my mind I, if I watched it today I'm sure it wouldn't necessarily still blow my mind but when I was 20 it really affected me and then 12 Monkeys. And then from there he kinda of goes down downhill from, from that point. So Twelve Monkeys is kind of like his his pinnacle. Um
1: Absolutely. And and you know, uh time travel is always tricky, but like I love movies where it's not about like I didn't I never felt a, a need to like sit there and pick it apart as far as like, well that wouldn't happen in time. It's just there's so much good plot and so much good dialogue and everything that's just
0: But the time, travel, the time travel the time travel elements in that movie is actually uh you know accurate in terms of (laughs) how you play with those kind of timelines you know right i thought you were going to say accurate how it really works (laughs) because the the way that it plays out is a loop and you wonder did their efforts to stop the pandemic actually cause the pandemic right Um, and that that's kind of an interesting um you know philosophical question
1: and and what i'm saying is that i think there's so much goodness in the movie that uh you just take that as that's the focus that's the question that's the thing but but you don't feel the need to like find holes in the logic or something you know yeah yeah
0: um and the movie has some eerily familiar things with our current pandemic Mm -hmm. you know you got wrong-headed conspiracy theories you have Uh, You know, a terrorist spreading a virus. I mean, that didn't happen with us, but the worry is definitely there. Yeah. You have bumbling scientists. You have exploitation of the lower classes. Um, You know, you just have a lot of things. Have you seen this movie, Colin? I haven't, actually. Mm -mm. Well, highly recommend. Yeah, it's a good watch, man. Yeah.
2: I do love 28 Days Later.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Did it affect you the same way that it affected... You're younger than us, so when you saw it, you probably already saw some good zombie movies, or, or did you see it a long time ago?
2: Well, I came upon zombies in, oh gosh, 2003, possibly. I was in middle school for sure, because... You know, oftentimes my way into the R-rated camp was by way of sleepovers. That's how I watched Deep Blue Sea, which is an honorable 1999 mention. You know, that's how I got it, because I wasn't... They weren't allowed in our house, whatever... The reason for that was, but uh, we watched Resident Evil, which is by no means as well produced as Twenty Eight Days Later. It has also a different mm-hmm. angle. It's a lot more action based. I know we've discussed the action in Twenty Eight Days Later, but it's more cartoonish, more related to you know video game moves, quote unquote. I-, I love Resident Evil, <laughs> and I have and I had a good time uh, watching it. And that that movie experience that night actually got me nerding out about the books, it was much easier for me to convince my parents to like get me a book series that I was going to read, even though the content was extremely gory. I was like, look at all these books. They're by S. D. Perry and they're novelizations of the games. Can I please read these? So I read all of them and then got into the games. That was like my, <laughs> it was just like, okay, you read the books, you could play the games. Um, so yeah, my, my zombie, and then I would also say in terms of my movie making, um, right around that time, it all comes back to zombies because those were the dumb movies that my friends and I were making in the neighborhood. Is like, throw some ketchup on our faces and you got a zombie movie cooking. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Berto, what's your number one?
1: Children of Men. Ah, great one.
0: This Brilliant. is an interesting
1: one because it's not your, your run-of-the-mill zombie situation. You know, most a lot of the... But it's definitely a pandemic. It's definitely definitely a pandemic. pandemic. But that's the thing. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's the other way we could die out. What if we can't have children? Like, what the heck? Um, That was... I mean, the the premise was very interesting. Uh, Asked some really compelling, again, philosophical questions. The way it's shot is so good. And um, you're just intrigued. And it's like you're at the edge of your seat... The acting is fantastic. <laughs> Clive Owen does an amazing job. Um, it's really compelling. And you, I felt really immersed in that world and that situation. And just, I remember while I was watching it, I was asking myself, what would I do? Like, how would one feel in this situation? Um, uh, yeah, I loved it.
0: Yeah, I was going to put that one in my top three. And then I rewatched it today. Uh, at least the first bit. And mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great movie, definitely top ten pandemic movie. But uh, I I felt like it didn't impact me. Maybe I need to think about the way it impacts me the first time I saw it. Similar to mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I've only seen it the
1: one time in the theater, and yeah, so that's what I'm going on,
0: <laughs> Yeah, like Twelve Monkeys today, yeah, you know. But when it sure. when it came out, it really really affected me, but. But yeah, definitely a great movie. And what happened to Clive Owen? I mean, he had a moment yeah. a- around that right. time, about 15, to 20 years ago, uh, and, or 15 years ago-ish. And the the first movie I ever saw him in was in a m- movie, I don't know, 25 years ago or something. It's called Croupier. And he Croupier. was this he was this dealer in a casino. Uh, that's what they called dealers, is croupiers, I think. Croupier. And I thought, who is this actor? He's so, like james bondy you know and okay. then he you know was in a whole bunch of movies and closer with um with all those other actors
1: <laughs> actually he does look like uh he could have done a great bond
0: yeah come yeah. to think of it right right yeah uh i think he was in one of the born movies as a bad guy if i remember right was anyway he? uh and then you don't see him much anymore uh, it's kind huh. of kind of sad to see. anyway colin what are your top three so, oh, my little uh, my phone
2: vanished the screen. So, uh, I'll start with my number three and then I'll work my way up. So, number three is 10 Cloverfield Lane.
0: Oh, and, yeah, yeah. That's a good um, one. I forgot about that one. It's,
2: for me, a very all encompassing pandemic movie because it's yeah, not just it's the. Good stuff. It's not just the external threat, it's the internal threat. Yeah. I feel like more so than any other pandemic movie that I've seen, you really get the sense of danger inside, in addition to danger outside. Because you're never quite safe, and you never get the sense that any of the characters in quote-unquote safety are safe, and you start to think, would our protagonists be better off out there with the wildness? You know, because certainly in here um, you know, these, these two men are not offering any kind of answer. They're not really giving her any kind of agency. However, it's connected to the, the confusing mixture of emotions that I think comes through in quarantine. Whereas like, I think a worse script would be like, she's trapped and she's tortured and she's absolutely, it's, it's a vile experience. It's, It's more nuanced than that because yes, there is the, (laughs) the weirdness factor, especially with John Goodman's character who, and he's so good in this movie, no pun intended, but, um, but you also get the sense of the, okay, we're in this together. Let's form relationships. There's like a reluctant bond that forms between all three of these key characters and it's layered with joy and connection amidst all of the distrust and i think that the the thing that really brought it home for me is that the threat outside all of the nuances of what made the science of it work or you know what brought it what caused it it didn't really matter it was all about the psychology of of the movie and that was tense enough
0: yeah yeah that was such a good movie i love movies that have limited i can't know limited settings or something you know like there's minimalistic well there's this, there's a term for it in film where like there's a movie by M Night Shyamalan that takes place in an in a elevator called oh, yeah. is it like Devil or something mm-hmm. Devil yeah. and or 12 angry men it takes place almost entirely in a in a jury room right these kinds of movies if you can pull it off well are you know it's a feat right or a movie yeah. by, uh, is it Linklater? He made this movie called Tape with
2: Uma Oh, it's Th- um,
0: so good. Yeah, yeah Uma based Thurman. on the play. Yeah, Uma Thurman oh. and Ethan Ethan Hawke and that other guy are I never saw st- that. stuck in a hotel. The guy from
2: da- uh, Dead Poet Society. Yeah, the other guy yeah.
0: from Dead Poet Society are stuck in a hotel room. And oh. it's uh, just a brilliant movie. Or that movie with... Uh, What's-his-face from the third Batman movie, The Bad Guy? <laughs> he, he's in a car. The entire movie takes place when he's in a car.
2: Oh, Locke.
0: Yeah, Locke.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that yeah, other movie with
0: uh, Ryan Reynolds where he's buried 27 alive.
1: 27 hours? Or 127 hours?
0: No, the Wait, one no, no, where he's no. buried alive. There's
1: a different one. Yeah, I, oh. see, I haven't seen that either. Man, that, I've, I've got to get up to speed on these uh, Trapped movies. That's right. He's he's in two movies that are very... But you oh, did yeah, yeah, just yeah. mention a great example, though, Colin, which was... And it's based on a real story, which is... Yeah, I think it's 127 hours or something. I want to
2: watch the one you I haven't seen that one.
0: Yeah, I can't It is what, called
2: Buried. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Buried. Yeah. It's Ooh. really good. I mean, I it, you think, what? It's such an
2: intriguing premise. Yeah, it
0: makes my hand sweat thinking about it, but... <sighs> but... Um, with Ten Cloverfield Lane I loved that movie the acting the premise the story the tension the one thing I would have loved to have changed but would have really angered a lot of people would be to have it end without any of us knowing if John Goodman's character was right or wrong like um, like yeah. you know the woman yeah. finally breaks out and then the movie just ends and you know yeah. but she breaks out and then the the question is answered. I won't spoil it, it was but
1: right, wrong, no, well. no. <laughs> Do you think that that was? I, I was wondering, because
2: I, <laughs> I was Sorry. wondering about that. You know, there there often in movies are multiple endings that will be either in the script, sh- shooting draft, or they'll just come up with different endings and then test them out, like we i think we on our fatal attraction episode we talked about how in the movie fatal attraction spoilers i suppose for this movie she she gets shot by the wife but in the original ending you know she slits her own throat and vastly different emotional places of resonance but um do you think that there was a, an ending kind of what you're suggesting and then maybe they were like well the audience need that
0: yeah. needs this you know I what i mean yeah i mean it people hate it you know my wife hates it actually uh the movies will just end she'll be like what and i yeah. and if it if it's done well i like that because mm-hmm. um i don't know why do i like that why do i like it
2: i think it's because it's more and i could be wrong but my extrapolation would be that life is more like that few yeah. things in life are like Endings like all right, clarity like the yeah. mo- endings like that offer I think more of a truth because it's it reflects the sense of we're us always being on a journey towards answers as
0: opposed to all right finito right exactly like with Inception with the top yes is, is he in a dream or is he not in a dream or the the worst uh, crime uh, of this nature was Rosemary's Baby the ending <laughs> is so dumb but the yeah. the first the 90 so good the first 98 percent of that movie is a oh. masterpiece and then the really final two percent is like a <laughs> cheesy 70s sitcom version of a movie and i just thought <laughs> what is happening right now so what's your number two colin
2: so my number two is it's kind of a cop out because there are three movies in this trilogy and they're separated by so many years. It's what I call the Invasion trilogy. So we've got the like 50s black and white one that that's about the, you know, red scare, the invasion of the body snatchers. Then you fast forward to the 70s with uh, Donald Sutherland who by the way is like super hot in that movie. Like I don't I'm I know it's like a weird choice, but like Donald Sutherland like Whew, like, give me all of that. Um, but, uh. Really? Then, whoa. You, yeah, it's like, he's like very bizarrely, he's not like very conventionally attractive, but like, he has huh. a sultriness to him. I know that sultriness is usually applied to cisgender females, but yeah. Um, also just like the nerdy, intelligent thing, obviously, like, that's my type. But, um, then you fast forward to, I think, early or possibly mid-2000s, um, with the Nicole Kim and Daniel Craig The Invasion. And I like all three. I think they all touch on different things. I think that, you know, the 70s one is a little, um... I don't know that it's necessarily about AIDS, because that was, like, kind of right before all that was happening, but it's certainly about, like, more, like, infectious disease. And then, um, you fast forward to the third one, and it's more about, like, the government control, and, like, and how our... Which, obviously, people have been concerned with that uh we won't mm-hmm. necessarily dive fully into that but that's one reason people are hesitant to get vaccines is because it's that fear of government control right so i think that each movie kind of complements each other although if i had to pick one and i had to kick up the other two out i would say the 70s one just because yeah it's so visceral because yeah. and and it makes me feel like in in my own nightmares. Like for example, I had a nightmare about three days ago and maybe it's because of my congestion. Maybe it's like my brain being like, oh, you've got like some mucus stuff that's really you know messing you <laughs> up. Like figure it out, brain. But um just like at the beginning
0: like, of Invasion of the Body Snatchers where the mucus comes down from this from the space.
2: <laughs> yes, it was it was a gunk and yeah. that I couldn't get I was on a train in New York and I couldn't get the gunk off my face it oh, was like it wasn't even just my nose though it was really, like i was constantly pulling stuff off and it just reminded me of the transformation sequences in invasion of the body snatchers where you are seeing with that thing where, and you see them becoming more plant-like, that, pretty well <laughs> and it, it it it's still scary to me like yeah. that that is a sci-fi movie that still freaks me out
0: yeah, yeah. that's my number three colin we share Whoo! that yeah um, so wait, I,
2: what's, what's it called? It's invasion, the seventies version of invasion. invasion of the
0: Body Snatchers. Body so snatchers got it. It, it's it, the
2: best one of the three. Yeah, yeah
0: it's a remake from the fifties. Ver- I haven't seen the fifties or the two thousand version. I've only seen the seventies version. Um, I saw it on TV when I was probably ten years old. I should not have seen this movie. I was way too young, and it the final scene, which I won't spoil. Was burned into my brain, and every time I saw Donald Sutherland in any other movie, I always, yeah, exactly. Cons doing the, film. oh my god, it gives me nightmares. But yeah, I, I actually, uh, in preparation for this episode, I re, you know, I rewatched a little bit. of Children of Men. I watched, a little, I watched um, Warm Bodies, which is another really great pandemic movie that I love. But uh, I started watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and I was like. I'm pretty sure this is a good movie. And then I watched the whole thing. It is so good. It totally holds up. Mm. For, for a movie from 1978 to hold up, that's saying a lot, right? And yeah. it, it's terrifying. It's psychological. as a very non-Hollywood ending. It's very entertaining. The first <laughs> half is the interplay between Donald Sutherland, uh, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy, and a young, mm-hmm. uh, sexy Jeff Goldblum.
2: Also on my list, yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. very much. And it, you could argue the first half hour, forty five minutes of this movie, it's it's almost kind of like a rom com or like a episode of Friends, where <laughs> you you just have this interplay really? between these between Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, and and Jeff Goldblum, and the way they kind of bounce off of each other. Very wow, i kind of have to watch this. See, I've never oh, seen please. any of these, and it's a I don't know why I love this so much. Uh, it's a glimpse into the seventies The You see the way their apartments look, you see the way that they dress, you see the the things that they did and you see San Francisco and it, and it just looks so cool. Like mid seventies, San Francisco, it just looks so awesome. And sure. uh, there's something about for me seeing movies from when I was alive and Seeing it through my adult eyes, because, you know, when I was 10 years old and I saw this, I didn't notice the decor or like, that's a cool bookshelf or (laughs) the way they have designed their kitchen is practical yet, you know, small and cool looking. And today when I watch it, I I see I just get this sense of the the coolness of being hanging out as a 20 something in San Francisco in the mid 70s. I don't know. It's also great to see Leonard Demoy playing. You know, kind of an, a a questionable character in, in that movie, but but yeah, it still holds up. It's it's scary, it's interesting, it's multifaceted. I mean, there's some slow parts at the end for sure in terms of like the standard of action movies of today, but it's still great. And like I said, the interplay between the characters—you don't see that kind of stuff that much anymore. They really kind of let the characters be characters. You know, they 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 let the characters. They've written the characters in a way that give them life. And, yeah, I just, I just really like that movie. Okay, so let's take a break. We get back. We'll go to Colin's number one. What do you say, y'all? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. So, Berto, if you were a – wait, what were your three movies again?
1: <laughs> 20 Days Later,
0: 12 Monkeys, and what? What was your number one? Oh, uh, it's Children of Men. Okay, Children of Men. Oh, I don't know what to say. If you were, <laughs> if you were a, uh, let's see, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. If you were a newscaster re- reporting that the that a massive pandemic of your choosing has begun, and the only way we can get out of the pandemic is if they become a patron of the podcast, what would that newscaster sound like?
1: Uh, yes, hi, Brooke. I'm out here, uh, downtown uh, LA. It's it's a nice, sunny uh, afternoon, uh, as usual, and uh, we're here for the events uh, happening later. Uh, now, uh, hold on, Brooke. I'm seeing some folks uh, running down the street. They're carrying some... Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Brooke. I, if I'm not wrong, I, it looks as if they're bleeding from their eyes, and Wait a minute, this can't be, This must be some sort of film. Yeah, of course, we're in L.A. They're filming some movie. Wait a minute, though. I literally just saw someone's head pop out of their neck. Like, it just popped out. That can't be a special effect, Brooke. I, I mean, wait a minute. Now there's more people running. What's happening? Brooke, I think we have an actual crazy pandemic getting started here. There's people jumping out of their windows. Oh, my God, that guy almost hit me with his body. There's more heads bobbing out, Brooke. Wait, I see someone carrying a sign. It says something like, The end is nigh. Go to psychology in Seattle and become a patron to survive. Brooke, I think that's our only hope. Ah!
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. This is Brooke back in the newsroom. We're also going to subscribe.
0: <laughs> wait why is brooke cockney how, how come
2: all because of... the whole it's in the future every all the news stations have mixed together it's new it's it new america sense. you know it makes sense
0: okay um so let's do an opp so uh birdo you named this and then one of the <laughs> listeners decided to name it Old patron prize, but good old Hallie, patron Hallie, uh, long-term ha- uh, patron Halley, says it should be old patron praise, O-P-P. All right, I got it. O-P-P,
1: how can I explain it? The first O is for old, the second P is for patron, the last P, well, that's not so simple. Prize. Oh, wait, praise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Just a reminder that for all the patrons, a portion of your pledge goes towards various different things, such as scholarships. We're offering a $2,000 scholarship uh, that we will announce at our 13th, 13-hour live show in August. And uh, so if if you're a grad student in the field of psychotherapy or psychology, go there and apply or tell someone you know. Also, we're going to give out a $1,000 art grant, but, uh, uh, and we've given out art grants in the past, and a portion of your pledge goes towards that. We also give a portion of your pledge to various different charities, such as Doctors Without Borders, Environmental Defense Fund, National Alliance on Mental Illness, Pet Finder, Plymouth Housing, which is you know giving houses to those in need, Prevent Child Abuse America, Asian American Legal Defense, The Trevor Project, which helps LGBTQ youth. And other charities like that. So uh, we've been going back in time and identifying patrons that have been long-term patrons. So this is this is in patrons that have been around since January 2016. We have wow. uh, so this is you know more than five years patrons. We have Stephanie from Vancouver, BC. We got Morgan from Austin, Texas. Do you know? From Texas, do you know Morgan Colin? I don't. You're from Texas. (laughs) we got April from North North Van, which we know April. Woo! We have Neil from Morristown, New Jersey. We got NB from Pasco, Washington. We got Graham from London, Great Britain. We got Katie from Bothell, Washington. Good old Bothell, right down the road. We got Sid. We got Anne from London, and we got Gabriel from Pleasanton, California. So thank you so much for being patrons for over five years. Stephanie Morgan, April Neal, NB, Graham, Katie, Sid, Anne, and Gabriel. UPP it's
1: easy op- as one, two, three.
0: Speaking of one, give me your one. Call Lynn. Okay, so a lot of people are probably going to
2: laugh because this movie is actually not as good as any other movie that has been discussed at present. But it's called it's called Silent Hill, which yes. It's a movie based on a video game. (laughs) And for me, I had to put this as number one because it encompasses, I think, the feeling of pandemic in this very strange, surreal way. So a little bit of a context here for those who might be interested in Silent Hill. So it's a ghostly town, you know, there's a shroud of fog, and then in and out, the atmospheric dread of, you know, the isolation, you know, there's, there's little bits of ash falling in the fog, but nobody's around, it's vacant streets, abandoned buildings, but inner's but mixed with that, all of a sudden it'll, these huge sirens will go off and everything will turn super, super dark. And then the walls get rusty and grimy and gross, and these horrific monsters will come out of the woodwork. I mean, everything from, you know, deformed nurses to giant monstrosities with a pyramid for a head that have huge cleavers, you know, any number of nightmares. And the reason I really like this uh, film for pandemic's sake is because I think that in isolation... It can sometimes feel like that. You know, you feel that emptiness for a while, and then all of a sudden something will happen that will bring you to panic. Or you'll receive external information that will somehow seem a little more dangerous. More dangerous because you're not so used to being in the in the mix of things. And that's that's been kind of my feeling lately, as I've been slowly trying to... Reintroduce myself into the world slowly and respectfully of course but i've been vaccinated and i'm realizing that you know things that are unexpected are hitting me harder now because Mm. it's been so long since i've been in surroundings that i am not in control of and in terms of this movie being a spiritual experience for me i would say that it it kind of gets there because I spent a lot of my time as a, a a young nerd who loves movies and video games fantasizing about what their adaptations would be. I think that's the reason, the only reason I really liked Rise of Skywalker when I saw it in the theaters because the only thing I was doing was in my head using the this template to construct a Zelda movie in my head. Like what would that look mm. like? And um and so it, it's a very like slow-paced movie where there's a lot of just you know rada mitchell underrated australian actress walking around the town looking for clues she meets a few characters she encounters a few monsters and all all is revealed at the end and i like that because anybody who loves survival horror video games understands that that's kind of the pace of it it's not thrust into the room and there's billions of zombies and you shoot them all like that's can be stressful, but that's more action, but i I like that slow encompassing dread,
1: so yeah Silent Hill I'll tell you this: Silent Hill the video game was super creepy, yes. very effective i I mean I love Resident Evil, but Silent Hill was creepier it was, it was oh I am surprised by your choice of movies though. I actually didn't see the movie, so maybe I'm <laughs> maybe plus. Who am I to speak? Like, I love Resident Evil, the movie, so...
2: And they are isolated. And, and everybody yeah. like, people are like, that's not a pandemic movie. It's like, they are literally trapped in this town. There's a bunch of really... like, I wouldn't even say they're religious. I would say they're just people who have had to survive the darkness for too long. They're, they've literally lost their minds. And they've all kind of found a toxic you know, uh, space to attach their, their fear to. It's this like zealot woman and and they, and they're all in the church. It feels like a hive of these like ferocious animals. And I think that the animalistic aspect of the people connects me to not everybody, but certain groups of people during the pandemic, this like nastiness and, and uh, this, this sense that they, they can put themselves on, a pedestal of like holier than thou ground, um, or or even just being extremely judgmental of other people's, you know, choices during during such stressful times. So yeah, yeah. I think all of that all of that pandemic um nonsense, as it were, is definitely in the film. And they can't leave. So
0: Okay, yeah, interesting. So, for my list, I've already gone over Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's my number three, 1978. Which I'm surprised. I mean, like,
1: genuinely surprised. I would not have expected it, but I also haven't seen it. So, yeah. I'm now going to have to watch it.
0: And it's really a classic pandemic movie. You mm-hmm. start with these isolated infections, and it, it spreads really easily with this flower, mm-hmm. and then people start spreading it uh, on purpose and you know it's it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting movie and uh it there's not a lot of movies like it honestly yeah and then my number 2 is 12 monkeys which Terry Gilliam just so good and my number 1 mm. is not a surprise it's a pretty common one these days contagion uh, oh. tw- 2011 Steven Soderbergh. i know that that's obvious. But to me, this I I rewatched this one today as well. It is the first forty five minutes is so gripping and so terrifying. I when I saw it in twenty eleven I remember being terrified, but watching it now it's it's mm-hmm. actually even more terrifying.
1: Because like when you when you watch a thing where you're like, well, that's terrifying, but of course that's not how we would actually react. We'd be a lot more reasonable about things and people would be more cooperative and people And then you're like, oh, wait a minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you just see how quickly something like this can happen. And the contagion in the movie Contagion is a lot more deadly. And so you have a much and the people die very quickly. So you have this much more scary thing, but it's sure when I was watching this movie, it was, I was, I felt like I was watching a documentary in a certain way, (laughs) you know, a heightened uh, example of, of what people are going through. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the virus starts in China and people in, you know, someone flies out from, from China, the United States, there's a, a little bit of a ground zero, you know, and it starts to spread, and then people start to die. And now we're saying, so, "Well, what's going on?" And then the CDC and the you know WHO gets involved, and and by the time they get their people on the ground, it's like the, the cat's out of the bag. It's now in various different cities all over the world. We're trying to communicate to everyone. We got governments pushing back on us, and there was so many eerie accuracies that this movie got right, and. You just have to wonder if... Because the people who made this movie were basing it on the scientists. So the scientists must have known about this for a long time, right? Right. And hopefully after we actually went through a mini version of Contagion, and and make no doubt about it, the pandemic we're in right now is a mini version. There are much worse versions of viruses that could and have... Uh, been spread throughout our population more. Well, that's, ver- that's more contagious. That's the scary thing is yeah. that that like
1: our the one we're in, you know, it, it, people would say, "Well, you know, it, it doesn't kill that many people." But look at how, just how bad it gets when it kills the, as as many people as it
0: does. <laughs> yeah, three million and, plus ugh. or so. Yeah, it it's it right. So this and this had a. Strangely, I think this movie had a huge uptick in the amount of people watching it over the past year. I, you would, and because that was me. I remember hearing mm-hmm. about, oh, I gotta watch Contagion because you know we're going through a pandemic. I'm like, I'm living through it right now. I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna watch that. You know, like the movies that are Too coming so. up more recently about, you know, they'll make a movie about a lockdown. I think mm-hmm. there's even a movie called like Lockdown or something, and people are talking. The whole movie takes place over Zoom. Uh-huh. And that is the last thing I want to do. <laughs> I don't want, I'm, I am I want to escape the problem. I don't want to, you know, have a mirror reflection of the fact that I am wearing sweats for sleep and for work, you know. They should make
1: a movie about people that refuse to watch movies about the pandemic situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, so I just made a list of all the things that are eerily familiar. You got idiots in the government. You got making huge makeshift hospitals. You have mm-hmm. quarantining. And the, the, it was a lightning bolt when this line was said. The CDC guy says, social distancing. <laughs> so when I saw this movie in 2011 in the movie theater, the social distancing phrase just, I probably didn't even notice it. But in you hear it, out the other. yeah, you hear it in this movie, you're just like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> like they knew it back then, and it's the same phrase. Um, they also portrayed in the movie teens missing each other a lot, well, and teens missing prom. You know, you don't oh, yeah. think about that, right? You don't think about how, uh, I mean, you don't think about it unless you have a teenager going through it, just whole important... Uh, coming of age ceremonies just completely just erased graduation ceremonies Uh, if you were a track star you couldn't play track that year and you just graduated high school unceremoniously you know does All that mean them.
1: that there's a lot more uh, virgins running around?
0: Well, yeah, actually. Uh, it, well, I mean, in terms of less sex, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's less shootings. There's there's yeah. less anything that involves human interaction. Um, difficulty tracing the virus, conspiracy theories, protests against the CDC, working online, uh, run on grocery stores. Like there's a there's a scene where people are stocking up and they zoom in on a grocery customer's hand and he's grabbing a bunch of Amy's soup. I literally stock up on Amy's soup when the pandemic happened. That was all I bought. I bought Amy's lentil and Amy's chili and Amy's, um, chicken noodle soup. Like uh, we have one cabinet. It's just filled to the brim with Amy's (laughs) soup. (laughs) Um, Snake oil theories, like, uh, what was it that Trump was talking about? Oh, yeah, the take um clean, cleaner,
1: ingest some uh,
0: well, what? no? Well, well, no, there was, a, yes, but there was also... Oh,
1: the hydroxychloroquine.
0: Yeah, hydroxychloroquine. He even had, like, a catchphrase, like, hydro- like hydroxy or something he called. He had some <laughs> sort of nickname for it. And pushing that kind of thing in a run on it. Misinformation, mutations the transformation, yep. the transmission between animals and humans, they got it all right. But there were some inaccuracies that are worth pointing out. In the movie, the nurses go on strike because they don't feel protected enough being exposed to patients. Which is completely the opposite of what happened in real life. Nurses never, I don't remember hearing nurses talking about going on strike. I mean, they were stressed out. They were upset about a lot of things, but I don't remember hearing hearing about any medical provider saying we're not going to do our part to try to save lives and help yeah. our society. I mean, they, you know, true heroes. I mean, just remember that at the beginning of this all, when Incredible. there was no PPE, they they had to uh, make shift their own protection and put hands on COVID patients. And be in the room with them and yeah. uh, and just how brave they were and and how they said, well uh, someone 's got to do it to save these people 's lives you know and so so yeah, in the and movie no one really
1: knew what was up it's you know I mean, yeah, it's
0: it's like it was so scary, so it, few details, yeah, it was so scary, it still is, but it was particularly scary in the beginning. The other thing that was not accurate that I immediately recognized is when they were doing a run on the grocery stores. They, there was no run on toilet paper. Who would have predicted?
1: Uh, no one counted on the TP. <laughs> yeah, or
0: um, hand sanitizer. Uh, the the runs on the toilet, sta- the toilet, or the run on the grocery store was mainly food and medicine. But <laughs> who would have thought it would be toilet paper? <laughs> uh, you know, I guess it makes sense. Hand sanitizer again.
2: Silent Hill thinking.
0: Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah.
2: I mean the the thinking of people who are just so mad with fear. You know, like their logic to a certain extent goes out the door, I feel like, you know, because those people, if they had thought more, you know, thought longer, thought harder about what their, what the effect of their actions would be, they're actually cutting themselves off and others from those resources by, by (laughs) doing what they did. So, you know, it's just that, it's just that like, I, cause we're already as humans afraid that we don't have enough. Right. And then when you give people a reason to think that they won't have enough of something, it's going to just extrapolate. That's my word tonight, I guess, is extrapolate just all of that neurotic thought.
0: Yeah. It's just so funny though, that it was toilet paper, right? Yeah. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like flour or gasoline, things that you would think are more fundamental to the human like, survival.
1: Did you end up using all that toilet paper you bought? Well, at first, but then since I had no food, not much.
0: Yeah, yeah. We started <laughs> eating the toilet paper. I mean, uh, my. Uh, 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 I think a factor that wasn't discussed much was that I think Americans are completely phobic <laughs> about their buttholes. Like, yes. Just. They but- don't, don't want to. Yeah. Because, but- <laughs> like. As a Japanese person who's experienced bidets, beautiful, wonderful, convenient, comfortable bidets in Japan and and like bidets myself, uh, for decades, I would go to white Americans and I'd say like, if you had a piece of poo on your arm, would you just wipe it off with a paper towel, would you run it under some water? Well, of course, I'd run it under some water. Then what are you doing with your butt? You know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, but, but that's gross, you know? And I'm like, is it gross to white? Is it gross to wash your arm if you get poo on your arm? No, it's not. It's <laughs> no, that's, that's sanitary. But so it's gross to wash your your butt. It's that's disgust. Yeah, it's disgusting. Uh, why would you do that? Like that's completely gross. You know, like uh, uh, why are you even talking about this? I'm just like, you literally <laughs> do it every day. Everyone does it. There's a book called Everyone Poos. It's just a thing, man. Just get over yourself. Like yeah. you're not. It's not. It's it's like this mystery black hole. You know that no one wants to talk about, and so. To the thought of going, <laughs> so? the, the thought of starvation was actually more palatable and more acceptable <laughs> than the thought of actually having to touch your own butt with like your hands. Because if you run out of toilet paper, you're going to be using your hands, and that thought is completely abhorrent to Americans.
1: So growing up in Colombia, in my in the house that my grandpa built, they had a bidet. Uh, so you had, but the, the bidet was separate from the toilet. So you would sit on the toilet seat and across from you was a bidet. But here's the funny thing. I never knew what it was for. No one ever told me. Maybe they didn't, I forgot. So when I was little, I would wash my feet in it. (laughs) Basically, I would like sit on the on the edge of the bathtub and put my feet in the bidet and turn on the water and just kind of like wash my feet and i thought it was the funnest thing ever
0: <laughs>
2: free the nipple sure but you know also free the butthole yes just gotta put that out there
0: free the nipple wash the butthole um, or the feet. <laughs> the,
2: the <laughs> also the feet yes burdo sorry the feet
0: too <laughs> the other inaccuracy is or at least difference with the movie and reality was that there was rioting in the movie and there was rioting in reality but not because of the pandemic but because of the George Floyd protests right mm-hmm. so i think when i so when i saw this movie and i saw that contrast it gave me a positive feeling about humans we you know in our societies around the world have experienced an unprecedented event in the past year. It has been horrifying in a variety of ways. And yet people, as far as I know, for the most part, have not rioted, have not looted because of the pandemic. You know, society and civility was mostly uh, sustained, even though we were all terrified, even though we could have broken down as a society. We could have said screw it let's all just break into all the closed you know businesses and steal all of their crap because there was a time when the i remember the police were even worried about responding to any kind of crimes because they didn't want to get infected in mm-hmm. the beginning of the pandemic and as far as i know that didn't happen or at least not to, to the scale of this movie and i think that's a positive i think there's i you know at some point i just I, there's going to be two things that are going to come out of this, you know, two two documentary series that will come out of the past year. One is on the, the Trump presidency, which I can't wait for. I just want to see that whole thing broken down. And the other thing is the pandemic, is the how it all started. You know, what are the exact numbers? You know, there's going to be a 10, 20 part series documentary. You know, it's going to happen. And. I think part of what we can say about ourselves is so many things went well. We focus on the bad and there are bad things, but so many things went well. The fact that the vaccine development happened so quickly and people worked so hard and governments actually did coordinate and you could say to steal the vaccine but at least they spent the money you know there was a there's a lot of things that we did right there's a lot of things we can apply there's a lot of things obviously that we can change and learn from and be upset about and ashamed about but i also think we need to focus on the positive and when i watched contagion the movie i thought you know what we're we're doing better in reality than we are in this movie we did a overall i think uh, uh there are some things we did better anyway the other thing in this the other thing in this movie that's inaccurate is that Jude Law plays this blogger who is selling like a hydroxychloroquine thing. He he claims that he got the disease and then he used this homeopathic thing and it cures him, and he and he made millions of dollars selling this snake oil. And the government actually prosecutes him and We never find out, but the implication is he ends up going to jail. But that's something we're not going to see and haven't seen as well. (laughs) There have been so many people spreading misinformation and, uh, you know, not only just snake oil and and, uh, crackpot theories about what could actually help people spreading them and, and, and profiting off of it, but just general misinformation about all sorts of things. And... The movie acted like, you know, they'll get their comeuppance and in reality, we're not going to see that, I don't think.
2: Well, I think that it's even a darker situation with because you said it was a 2011 movie, right? Yeah. So that just goes to show how the value of real information, quote unquote real, you know, whatever that means, um, how much it's dropped you know, and, and how we, we don't even know any, we're 10 years from that film's release and we're more unaware of, of where we should be getting our information, who we should trust with that information. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like maybe it was realistic to think about for the time, but now (laughs) you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we live in a time when a lot of people are just completely convinced that the CDC, the World Health Ther- Organization, scientists—they're—they're they're not only questionable, but and not only wrong, but they're actively out to get them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like the conspiracy theory has become normalized, and yeah. it is not helping our situation. And
2: I tr- I was talking to somebody the other day about it and they very much told me I don't understand. You know, I was I was really trying to be present and as I was tr- I was hearing their perspective, they were like you have chosen your narrative. They were very much turning it back to me. And because this is a person who feels very much it is would be an example of someone who feels like what you're suggesting that they are actively being, um, targeted. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely an experience to hear that kind of perspective because it's not willy nilly, you know, there's a, there's a real belief there. And, and, um, when somebody has chosen, you know, with that amount of strength that that is the way that it is, it's just so hard to do anything but listen at that point, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, you're not going to convince people in my experience. All right. So to close, just get doing some honorable mentions. Uh, my honorable mention list, 10 Culverfield Lane, which I added, which I forgot. Warm Bodies. I almost had that in top three. I oh, love, that's a fun one. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Children of Men was almost in the top three. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I, yeah, I loved good. that series, Planet of the that Apes. super good. I feel like the, the, the more recent you know, Planet of the Apes series is one of the most underrated franchises yeah, of agreed. the past 10 years. It's so good. Um, and Zombieland 2. So Zombieland, of course, was a huge hit. I haven't seen 2. But 2 is better than 1. Far better, in my opinion. It's so good and so what? funny. Yeah, it is so funny. There, There's this character that they find this girl. She's like a real, I don't know, like a valley girl cheerleader kind of character. And she is just so good to contrast with Emma Stone's character. And then they run into uh, two guys who are, anyway, you just have to watch. It's so good. I also almost put Bird Box in my top oh, three. Yeah. Uh, I felt like Bird Box was a. I know a lot of people thought it was dumb, but I thought it was. I thought it was gripping. But Did I you can't guys remember
1: like... how I felt? That's the one with uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra yeah, Bullock. with the.
2: I I feel like people hate on the movie more, and the movie has kind of a bad reputation now because the response to it kind of overtook the movie. Because you know, everyone was doing those viral videos. They were doing the. The thing where they put the thing around their eyes and was, and were walking around. They did all the tests. And so I think when people think of the movie, they're more thinking about those d- dumb videos. Not judging anybody who did it. I'm just saying that it's not like art, you know.
0: <laughs> so, Shaun of the Dead, of course. Oh, good pick. Classic. Yeah. And World War Z. I, I, like, I liked World War Z. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. 28 Days Later. And I Am Legend. And I Am Legend has some problems with it for sure but the first i don't know half half of the movie maybe it's intense yeah and really gripping and i remember seeing it at a time when it really affected me there's this one camera shot where i think the dog has died and there's this oh. dolly shot where oh, the they we zoom out from will smith and he's like in a you know field of grass in manhattan and you just get the sense of how alone he is and i remember that really affected me um, other movies that uh, people voted on Facebook fan page were Cabin Fever. Have you guys seen Cabin Fever? Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good movie. Tell but us about I, I that mean, one. Is that a pandemic movie, though? That was kind of a fan fav- favorite for pandemic I don't see how
1: that's a pandemic movie, though.
0: Hmm. What well, What's it about? I
1: mean, um, it's a very creative uh, wait, am I thinking of the right one? Cabin Fever and Cabin in the Woods.
0: There's Cabin in the Woods.
1: Cabin in the Woods is the one that it's is... Josh Joss Wheaton. That, that twist. Okay, okay. So there's Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, Cabin Fever. Okay, maybe I'm not remembering why it's pandemic then.
0: Huh. Well, anyway, lots of votes for that. I haven't seen it. I think it's a horror movie, If I'm and I'm not really into horror. Um, the Happening, which was uh, M. Night... Isn't that M. Night... Didn't he make The Happening? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, he, he sort of is, made it.
1: Cabin Fever is absolutely about an infection. I forgot about that. Okay, yeah. Uh, the Andromeda Strain, classic. I love the book,
0: uh, Crichton. Yeah. Good stuff. Outbreak. I, I didn't
1: love the movie, though.
0: Outbreak, yeah. The movie is, you know, it's from that time. Yeah. Outbreak. Outbreak. From oh, the, with the monkey. Is that yeah. Dustin Hoffman? That's what yeah. Dustin
1: Hoffman Yeah. Was good. I love that.
0: Uh, apparently the maze runner, which I have seen really? and regretted is essentially about a pandemic. It's yeah. all right. It's, it's... Um, the stand never saw it 28 weeks later, which yeah, is, I don't crazy. know we're liking that much. Carriers I mean, 28
1: weeks later is nowhere near as good, but it is still entertaining.
0: No. Uh, carriers, which I haven't seen blindness, which I haven't seen.
1: That's a good
2: book.
0: Uh, Quarantine, 2008, which I haven't seen. Black Death, Resident Evil. Oh, yay! Uh, Train to Busan. Korean uh, very movie. good, very good. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, That's uh, a goofy one. So, anyway, uh, Berto, final word, pandemic movies. Well, you know, when you're in the middle of something, actually,
1: sometimes it's good to uh, introspect, and sometimes it's good to reflect and see things reflected. But for my money anything with a zombie running at me I'll watch
0: <laughs> alright well that is it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle everyone out there please take care of yourself and get vaccinated because <laughs> you deserve it
2: and the rest of us do too